So, is everybody recording? <laughs> Good question. Yes, we are now. I'm looking yeah. at you, listener. Are you recording? What's that, David? I'm, I'm looking at this article that you sent. Yeah, are you enjoying it? Is it a little bit too close to a crossway paperback for your liking? I'll be totally honest with you. It seems like either it's really like flowery or I'm just really dumb. Flowery? Like, I, I don't I, feel like he's saying very much. There are tons of words here. <laughs> and it really, like, again, I'm, I'm kind of skimming. I guess what I'll say <laughs> is this article is not very skimmable. That's your problem. <laughs> I'm reading every fourth word and he just isn't making any it's sense. Just, <laughs> can't even form coherent so sentences. <laughs> Those fourth words. <laughs> the uh, the article I posted afterwards, I thought it was funny because it one of the parts that like it's saying that online has affected us is saying that um, we're distracted and we can't read very long articles and hardly anybody <laughs> even finishes articles that they start to read. And if you get down to the very bottom, it says this article was adapted from a larger piece, the current American English vernacular. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just. Like, well, I guess they know their audience. They yeah. They're writing an article on it. So. But his is pretty much all about vocabulary, isn't it? Yeah. I, I sort of, I didn't get all the way through that. I think I got down to the second last heading or something. Mm, yeah. It's um, just uh, the how internet is changing our reading. Yeah. <clears throat> so cool. more specific. Craig, I think you right, are David. the only reason that I even navigate to Desiring God. Me. Mm-hmm. It's just you because your topics. Me. Oh, I don't think I've had a Desire God article for quite a while. Exactly. <laughs> I, <haven't been> <laughs> I think they changed the- something about their font. I think they use a lighter weight now. Is it still that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing or neutral? Meriwether Web. Um... I think it's fine. It's, it's, re- it's reasonably it's, it's, okay. I don't know what it would look like on a non-retina monitor, though. <laughs> I actually don't I can have. Tell I only have retina <laughs> monitors, like only pixel double displays. It looks fine now. on a non-retina monitor. Just in case you were wondering, I was. Yeah, I mean, if you blow it up to like five hundred percent, it doesn't look as good. But yeah, it's good. It's good typography, I think. At one hundred percent, looks fine. This, uh, all right. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Huh? Everybody's using the, the Froofy Serif fonts now, though. Like, nobody just wants to use Georgia, which I think is good, but it, it just seemed like somebody snapped their fingers and now everybody's got their own little, uh, Typekit or Google Web fonts, uh, imported Serif. Well, I guess Google Web fonts has been quite a long time now. <laughs> yeah, but like, people weren't yeah. using it. What is real life? It's sans serif. You guys are bucking the trend. What do you mean? Well, you just said everyone's using... Oh, no. Your body text is yeah. serif. Your menus are all sans serif. Yeah, that's kind of a... a we're, we're trying to follow the paradigm of UI items are always sans, so you know that something is like interface instead of content. Uh, uh-huh. But then the study notes, like whenever you're studying, kind of just like a study Bible has typically the notes in a sans serif. Those are also sans serif. Hmm. <clears throat> there you go. Freight text pro. Iowan old style. Iowan's the uh, fallback. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. All right. Shall we? Commence. This could go really, yeah. Unless Ready. you want to, shall we something else? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> shall we throw a shrimp on the barbie? Wow. Maybe what? Maybe throw a shrimp on the can. <laughs> wow. I see what you did there. You Americanized my Australian vernacular. I did, yeah, because vocabulary. What's, I was going to say, up, I Joe? didn't. Joe keeps I just saying, didn't wow. understand those phrases, those <laughs> phrases you were saying. So, all right, <laughs> looking at my English Australian dictionary. <laughs> dictionary. 
<laughs> you guys should know what a shrimp is. We we usually call them prawns here, but anyway. I think so wait a minute, you guys thing. call them prawns, but the expression is throw a shrimp on the Barbie? Well, that's, I don't know. I don't even know if that's a real ex- expression. I think that's the yeah. Americanized yeah. Yeah. Prawn Australian is ex- what they call like really weak men. <laughs> shrimp is what you throw you on the Barbie. Say- <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, but they're different things, apparently. Prawns and shrimp. Prawns have branching gills. And shrimp, on the other hand, have plate-like gills. <laughs> it's true. I don't know why we're talking about this. Hey, has anyone this listened is- to the new Kanye album? I have. Yes. You have? Yeah. I have. I yeah. listened to it this morning. What did you think? Or to be American about it, what did you all think? Or really American about it, what did you all think? Hey, what did you guys think? That's uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> nice. Oh, so I, I have to recommend something. I have to recommend something. I don't know if I put it in the chat or not yet, but uh, mm. have you, you yeah. guys? You guys have heard of U version, right? Yes. Yes. Have you heard of y'all version? Because it's oh, a thing. Because of you, you put it in the chat once. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah. I was gonna say the used guys version is pretty great. That's the one I do best. I sound like Jim Gaffigan. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. It's not really my style of music, per se. Like I'm really not into the gospel, gospel rap, <laughs> singing stuff so much. I actually do like rap some, um, but there wasn't enough swearing. Like there was hardly any, and so hmm. I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem like something I could fornicate to. <laughs> yeah, it was hardly misogynistic at all. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this episode just took a dive. No, did you see the news? Are- oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, it just seems like I said that. There are Dave's news articles. getting really personal. <laughs> <laughs> he just came out of it out of his mind. I think he just exposed oh, more, of his, more of himself, more of his personality than he does on flogging. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not more of himself, just his personality. Sorry, Jim. Not trying to incriminate you. <laughs> Here's the article. Oh, this is end up bad. Uh, I saw this on Facebook earlier. It's from Jezebel. Go figure. Kanye <laughs> uh, really, really, really Ab- does Ab- not want you to have sex to his new album. Well, I did read in the in like the bio for the out al- like the album's sort of blurb. It said he um, asked collaborators who were working on the album with him to refrain from. I think it was sex outside of marriage. Yep. Um, while they were working on the album with him. Yep. Mm. I would like to know if that was contractual or just like a hey, <laughs> by the way. <clears throat> Can you be arrested for the inverse of prostitution? I would imagine so. Huh. Surely. Paying people to not. <laughs> okay, I'm just like trying to figure out how does this work. Guys, let's get into the main topic before I say more things. There's, there's, there's no minefields here. I think we're fine. <laughs> Nothing could possibly go wrong. According <laughs> to the immortal words of the Simpsons, nothing could possibly grow wrong. <laughs> so, Craig, you sent right. us a desiring so it's my turn. article. It's my turn this week, right? Your turn to what? I don't know. Something. We're about to find out. Uh... So I was I was just thinking, you know, in light of our recent co- recent conversation about uh, the use of photos and taking photos of kids, our kids specifically, uh, and what we do with them, and how you know how aware they are of our sort of practices uh, in terms of um, you know not wanting not wanting them to feel like we are um, just constantly more interested in in taking a picture than being part of whatever's going on with them and that kind of thing. Uh, I, I kind of was reflecting on a little bit, you know, just online sort of connection time and whatever, uh, you know, particularly cause I've just recently been on holidays and came across an article on Zara God, um, which was basically, uh, it's called constantly disconnected t- talking about how online habits form us. Um, and I also read, uh, Tony Ranke's book, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, I think it was last year. So I've kind of had that in my mind for a little while. Um, and this article, this latest one was a sort of the introduction to it was talking about how 
going online used to be an experience. Like it used to, we used to say, I'm going on the internet, you know, like no one used the landline phone. I'm going on the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then people would have to wait while the dial up tone happened and whatever. And then they couldn't use the phone for a period of time. It was a thing that we sort of actively did. Um, And then he, he says it's now an existence. Uh, And I agree. Um, And what I was reflecting on was basically that, to me, it's it's kind of like not going online is now an experience, if you know what I mean. Like, so in the basically in the space of ten years, we've gone from uh, the internet being something that was really useful and sort of ever present, but at a distance, to it being something where you have to intentionally make decisions, like a series of conscious decisions, potentially to actually remove yourself from it. Um, which I sort of did while I was on holidays in that I wasn't posting very often social media at all, even though holidays are usually like great fodder for, um, you know, tourism pictures and whatever. But I kind of wish I did more of it because I, I think as in, I kind of wish I was offline more, uh, not looking at Facebook or anything, uh, because I think it's just healthy to have some kind of actual break. Um, I feel like, you know, we had the eighties and the nineties and people call, have called this like the noughties. And then I don't even know what we're into now, the 2010s, but I wonder if anyone who, has coined it as who is calling it what? the noughties. <laughs> well, people call it the noughties. I uh, never heard that. For, sure. for some people. <laughs> I, yeah. I heard, I heard that. Yeah, he's cool. not just making it up. Bad people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why? What, what is it called in the U S from 2000 to 2010? Uh, we don't speak of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, fair. And so I wonder if this decade is the smarties because of the smartphone thing. Like it's really from 2008 onwards. So 2010, say roughly to 2020, that has obviously been probably the biggest game changer in terms of people's, um, constant interaction with online. Joe's already yawning. So I'm going to ask a question (laughs) soon. Can I, can I I interject here just because David Latchett is going to point this out to us on Slack. And I'm going to beat him to the punch. Uh, I think it's called the noughties because it's from zero to 10. Like that's mm-hmm. so would, it, a zero would this decade yeah. just be called the teens? Probably. Okay. Like we didn't just break with break with tradition and be like, Oh, well we'll just call this naughty. Like, yay. It was, <laughs> it was a, it was a mathematical thing. It was a linguistic thing. Oh, you didn't realize that. They, Sorry. Like, I should have pointed I, it out. for instance, like when I describe when my wife and I were married, I would say we were married back in ought four. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I graduated in ought seven, so high school. <clears throat> All right, this was really not where I was going with this, but anyway. <laughs> now, now we can proceed. Um, I just just wanted to clarify. Now, now we can. <laughs> Thank you, David. Uh, I I, w- I sort of was hoping that that was implied the whole naughty thing, but I'm glad we clarified where that came from. Um, so the Desiring God article, it was helpful, I guess, in out- outlining. David thinks it's not that helpful, which is fine. Um, everyone, <laughs> each to their own. I, <laughs> I only skimmed it. I can't actually have an opinion. <laughs> I'm aware of this. Uh, in, terms, in terms of um, outlining uh, a few different things that this person has noticed. Sorry, I can't remember the author's name. I didn't pay great attention to that. Uh, that he's noticed about the online space. And I thought it'd be helpful to maybe talk about, um, br- in brief... Uh, each of these three things and just say, where are we seeing it? And maybe do a bit of an introspection or a reflection on uh, whether or not we do this in the reformed online space. Cause we've kind of got, there's kind of a, you know, I guess since reform podcasts and all these other reform podcasts kind of like us have um, spawned in the last, whatever that is five or six years. Um, there's now quite a, a sort of solid reformed on- online community that's developed and I think it's easy sometimes for us to, from within this community to read these sorts of things or write these sorts of things and go, Oh yeah, that's the case on the internet. Like that, that's definitely a thing and we need to be care- careful of that. But maybe to even consider how is it a case within our camp, within our um, neck of the woods, the sort of circles that we run in. Um, but then I also want to ask a bigger question than that, which is for the first 150 episodes, at least of tech reformation, we just kept talking about this idea of balance. Like you have to have balance in your technology use and all this stuff, which is probably to do with the um, tech is neutral debate or karate. Kid. But I want to know, I want to I know from each of you, uh, what is something you're currently doing that helps you create that balance? Or if you think this is an area where you want to improve, 
which is what it is for me. Um, if you listen way, way back, you'll find out that I was classed as a severe nomophobe uh, mm-hmm. in the first, whatever that was, 20 episodes. Um, and I think I've gotten better, but I can still improve more. Um, so either what's one thing that you're doing that's helping you create clear boundaries between online and offline? Um, and or what is one thing that you want to put in place or that you'd be interested to try putting in place to sort of help in that area? Does that make sense? Nope. Nope. All right. So with that, let's start because David <laughs> is lost already. <laughs> Learn by example. Is he, are you really lost? Well, I think I, I, I just don't understand out the distinction we're trying to draw between online and offline like that. And that's kind oh, okay. of, so, it feels like the article assumed that. And maybe that's why I was lost the entire way through skimming. Yeah. Okay. So plus every fourth word won't give you the whole article, but yeah. Well, no, that is fair. It's actually every first <laughs> sentence of every paragraph. Uh, okay. That's how you skim folks. First and last. So what, so you would argue that we don't have an online offline distinction at all. Like it's just all, one? Well, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, there is the distinction. Like things that happen online take place in the forms of ones and zeros transferring across, like TCP/IP, and offline <laughs> things take place, you know, through audio and and visual waveforms traveling through the air. I guess light behaves as both a beam and or a wave and a particle. But whatever. Wow. Like, there's obviously a scientific <laughs> distinction to be made here, but I don't understand like that seems like a distinction that I don't have to work to create. Like I don't have to accidentally worry about like walking up to Joe and trying to stream TCP at him, shouting at him like a modem. <laughs> that happens more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Joe? That's why they don't work together anymore, folks. I said that happens more than I'd like to admit. Um, yeah, the hardest part with David McCookie is getting the handshake. <laughs> I really don't like the you touch people. Get a, you could probably get a digital handshake easy enough, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, people easier. in the office kept talking about, oh, well, can you ping this person and uh, get a meeting scheduled? I'm like, I can ping them, but that's like a passive thing. They're not even going to know about it. <laughs> 18 milliseconds, Wait, boss. Wait, so this is like the real office or the office? <laughs> no, this was when, when I used to work at uh, Olive Tree with Joe. By the way, our opinions oh, don't reflect those of Olive Tree or HarperCollins Christian Publishing. Cool. No, mine absolutely do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> David now has to edit something out. I just don't uh, have to do the episode where we try to help Joe find a new job, you know? <laughs> and a lawyer. Ryan's wish mired. <laughs> okay, so now, now David has to edit out, edit out about 10 minutes of this episode so far. So we're doing well. Uh, all right, so you're saying the distinction isn't, isn't, is, is there, David, but you have to work to draw it. Is that what you said? No, I'm saying the distinction is, is something that is physically there. Like, I don't, I don't understand mm-hmm. the distinction they're trying to draw. Like what, what is their idea of the distinction that we should draw? Okay. Um, well, I think I would have thought that his three points are kind of giving us a reason why we should draw a distinction, if that makes sense. So he, he's, I guess he's talking about the way that online shapes us. And so if you read the introduction, which I'm assuming you did, you talked about imprinting, which you've talked about before with Jim. It's true. Right? Like animals. Yeah. And so, <laughs> okay. And so I'm just going to leave that one there. And so the online space, he's saying imprints us in a whole bunch of ways. And so he's saying those things aren't necessarily, by default, those things aren't necessarily healthy or helpful. Uh, and so we need to at least, I would say, at least be aware of them. Um, although in all three of these cases, he's actually offered sort of alternatives from the Christian worldview because let's face it, the online space has largely become dominated by the dominant voices in the culture. Um, and obviously everyone has a voice. It's not like there are no Christian voices online. Um, but certain things get downplayed online or even, you know, minimized in search results and all that kind of thing, uh, because of the message that they're sending. So, um, I guess that's one reason why, yes, there's good, very good reasons for Christians to be online and to be having an influence online as much as they can and all those kinds of things. But if Christians sort of take to this thing of living completely online all the time or, you know, having no boundaries between online and offline, um, maybe that's not a healthy thing. There was another article that Tank posted as well, which is just maybe helpful background information for this conversation um, because I, I sort of agree with that as well. It was talking about the internet 
weakening our vocabulary. Um, and in some ways I was kind of like, oh, really? Like, can we blame the internet for everything? But it is yes, true. Like we, you know, people talk a certain way, people email a certain way. Our, you know, it has not for a lot of people, unless you're trying to be like a professional writer or you're trying to do writing really well, for a lot of people, the internet is not a sort of um, great uh, sharpener of English skills and, and vocab <laughs> skills. Uh, and so he's saying that there's certain vocabulary within sort of Christian theology and life that is uh, has a depth to it that is actually uh, significant, important, uh, not to lose. And he's saying that the online space does a fair bit of losing of that. And so we need to be careful of that as well. Does that kind of make sense, David? Like, does it, are you seeing why I, maybe if you take these things into account, there is some kind of distinction that's maybe necessary, even if it doesn't feel uh, as ever present as he's making it sound. I, so the, the assertions here, man, I really, I didn't come here to start a fight and I do apologize because I was going to let the conversation go on. This is, this is totally fighting. I, I didn't think this was fighting. I verbally socked you in the jaw just now. All right. Da- <laughs> David and Joe jump in. Help me out here. <laughs> what? David and Joe. <laughs> what? Uh, thank you, Joe. Sorry. David, <laughs> David, David, fight against yourself, David. Yes. Take Stop, it away, hitting David. Yourself. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> okay, let me let me just outline the the points that it seemed like the article is trying to make. And this is this is kind of what I mean by like I found the article a little bit hard to follow because he doesn't at any point like come out in, in a statement say this is the problem. It's always like a metaphor or like a clever way of saying it. But if I could try to come up with the succinct uh, definition of each of these, one is the idea that we learn truth and establish truth based on our experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is that if we don't like something, well, which we can links, just move which on and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. So the first one's also like relativism, right? Like everyone's got their own truth. Right. And, and that's, and that is valid because it's valid to them and therefore it must be valid. Other people can't really question it. Right. Yep. And so the second one. Yeah. The second one is basically the idea that you can just, if, if you see something you don't like, you can just move on. You can hit back, you can hit delete, you can, you can just make it go away and move on to pictures of kittens that you do like. <laughs> Uh, and then the third one is that, and this is, this is the one that was the least clear to me because he talks a lot about a lot of things that aren't his main point. Uh, but it seems like he is trying to say that when something seems wrong, something seems off. We feel like we, or at least somebody needs to say something like something needs to be done about this. Somebody needs to say something. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're not okay with just letting letting reality be what it is and trusting God. Yep. Okay. Well done, David. Reading comprehension pass. <laughs> Yay! I think well, you have comprehension. <laughs> <laughs> I think you basically summarized them all okay. Uh, as in, I th- yeah, I don't really take issue with how you've done that. It seems fine. Okay. So I agree that these things are problems. Mm-hmm. That's good. Somebody else should so talk. I'm, I'm, at, why are you <laughs> smacking me in the jaw? <laughs> well, because I don't, I don't think that the internet is the cause of these things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or I mean, may, maybe the internet, I mean like just being around people who are not Christians is number one, like number one, like relativism antedates the internet. I know that might come as a shock to uh, revisionist <laughs> historians. But like relativism was the thing long before the internet. Um, And honestly, so is this idea of like, just, I guess, I guess the internet like makes it feel like it's easier to ignore things uh, and just hit the, hit the back button or, or what have you. Like you can, the internet is a powerful vessel for creating an echo chamber. Yeah. I don't want to say too much just to the minute. Did you have anything about the third point? Uh, yeah, this seems like a problem that's way older than the internet too. Okay. So two of them are older than the internet and the other one you think is not at all limited to the internet. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm willing to device. be proven wrong. I don't know that the author spends a lot of time trying to establish that the internet is the cause of these things. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily does either. <clears throat> I don't, I don't even know that he's saying cause. 
Um, but I want to hear what Tank and, and Joe yes. think. I think he's saying perpetuator or reinforcer rather than cause. Mm. And I think that's okay to still comment on. But Tank and Joe, what do you reckon? Blank. <laughs> this is where the crickets Tank's go. It's like nobody uh, needs to say something. Do it. No, nobody yeah. needs to say something. Point three. Nobody <laughs> needs to say something. <laughs> I would say that the the thing that I've noticed with this is I feel I do feel like the level of discourse is different um, is dis, dis, distinctly and discreetly different when it's uh, online versus uh, uh, like talking to someone on the phone versus uh, talking to them in person. So there's like there's like layers there when you actually are having a, a back and forth type conversation, you have a very different level of dif- discourse and a different way of communicating. And I think that the internet allows people a perceived though, not really a practical anonymity. Um, but everyone kind of feels like they're sort of anonymous. And so they can be uh, a control on the internet like they would not do in person. Mm-hmm. And so as far as a level of discourse thing, I think that's uh, legitimate. I think that's a, a legitimate concern. Also, I like ponies. So, <laughs> um, where? I guess in in thinking about what David said, that uh, I mean, yeah, it's true. Uh, people, you know, sin is sin. People have struggled with the same sin forever. Um, it kind of reminds me of. Uh, I heard, you know, I guess Karl Marx's reason for communism was like, change the economy, change the person. Um, and so the idea is like person's difficulties are because of their surroundings. And so, <laughs> uh, it, or because of their surroundings. So if you change their, the economy specifically was his argument and we could create a perfect person in a perfect society. And i um, pretty sure we'd all agree that didn't work very well. Um, but I think well, it may per- be fair to is. say the economy <laughs> does bring out different issues. For instance, I was thinking about capitalism and it almost rewards people who complain really loud. This is like, ah, you messed up my flight. Okay, here, we'll give you a better one. Know, instead of just accepting uh, life and moving on. Um, and so I would say it's fair to say that um, the internet brings out certain qualities that we didn't have the ability to. Um, we didn't have the ability in the past to uh, have a soapbox that we could just yell, yell out things to everybody. Um, and now we do. And so maybe well, we were like that before with our friends, but now we can say it to like our 700 friends and imagine that all 700 of them read what we have to say when probably half of them aren't active, but organic reaches down. Um, organic reaches down. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Like unless you pay to promote your, your posts, unless you pay to promote uh, your people. Gotcha. I'm always going to see it. Gotcha. But, yeah, but um, they could still, if it got shared a lot, it's poten- the potential is there. So I guess that's where I would, I would land that I see the internet being kind of an ecosystem that can bring out some of the mm-hmm. sin that we always see. Um, yeah. And that, that's what I think what I was getting at with the perpetuator thing. I don't think the internet creates these problems. I think the internet um, kind of uh, creates a space where these problems can manifest maybe more in a more prevalent or obvious way than they can in an offline world. Um, you know, even, even if you take just the second point as an example, like the clicking back, when I first read through the article, that was the one I felt was like kind of weak. I was like, well, you can do that anyway. Like everyone chooses to listen and not listen to things. They, you know, listen to things they agree with, not listen to things they don't agree with and all that kind of thing. But then I thought about, you know, just daily life. Like when you work, if you work in an office with other people and you have a business meeting and people disagree, then you've got to work out how to resolve the disagreement often. <laughs> like, you know, you've got to, you've actually got to do the hard work of, um, okay, this is uncomfortable and there's tension and whatever. 
how how will we resolve this? How do we get from point A to point B? Uh, and whereas online, you literally can just hit back or X to close the window or uh, jump out of the chat room and sign out, whatever. I mean, now you can excuse yourself from the business meeting to go to the bathroom. But the point is, people are going to expect you to be part of that <coughs> space because you're part of that environment, that work environment. Um, and that is actually one of the jobs that you're there to do is to be involved. Um, Joe's actually falling asleep on me. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> a little bit. So, so I think I agree with that. Don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> no, you've got how many kids? Nine. Seven. Seven. Yes. Yeah. So like, man, I'm not offended at all. I, I hear you. Number nine. Um, I don't have seven, but if I did, I'd be, I'd be falling asleep too. Uh, all right. So that's cool. Perpetuated, not created. You happy with that, David? I am happy enough to move forward. Ooh, I do not want to be the uh, the millstone that drags this podcast down to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> That's my <laughs> even though I've probably probably did that when we first started, huh? Does that imply that we're like tempting children to sin? No, no, it's what? just oh. a metaphor. Okay, you don't need to read that. <laughs> That's far what those in. are the people that get the millstone. <laughs> Sorry, I carry those too far sometimes. Okay, so. At the risk of getting too too much more towards Joe's, um, what sends Joe off to sleep, I I don't reckon we do the introspection on reformdom thing. I would encourage people to read the article, look at the analog truths that it presents in comparison to the he calls them digital liturgies, um, and see what you think. If there's things you want to bring up in episode discussion that you think uh, sort of uh, that you've noticed in the reform space or things that um, even within the tech reformation community um, areas where we do this. I don't know. Um, feel free to, to jump on and talk about that. Um, but the, the idea of like online offline balance, David is that and Joe and tank, this is a question for everyone. Is that something you guys feel like you've, you've nailed it? Like you, you have the perfect balance between your online and your offline lives. I mean, David's probably going to say there's no difference between his online and offline life. Um, but is that, I know, for example, I'm pretty sure I've heard David and Tank both say in the past that there was a time in their life where they, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, where they were more comfortable in the online space or maybe still are than the offline. Oh, yeah, I Tank, absolutely I think you, am. And I oh, think there's nothing wrong saying. with that. When you were at college, you were like much more happy to, to um, just be in the dorm room studying or you know being online playing games or whatever than out, mm. out amongst the people. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like... Um, you know, with a number of years of internet experience under your belt, <laughs> uh, and also, you know, <laughs> living in the outside world, cause we all have to, to some extent, um, for each of us, how do, do we feel like we're sort of, we've got some level of balance there or, or is this, are we still feeling like we're a bit skewed? Cause I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I still feel like I, like I said, like I need to pull back a little bit for the sake of, um, family, but also just like, uh, not relying on something that is so easy to rely on because it's always there. <laughs> Joe. Call on somebody to go first. Yep, that works. <laughs> well, it's just a tank talk last. I don't want to talk. And so it's you. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Joe, what do you reckon? Hey? I just feel like I'm I sorry, don't want to tell again. people when to talk all the time. <laughs> With your eyes open? <laughs> No, I, I'm having some intermittent uh, connection problems, not just between my brain and consciousness, but also <laughs> on my device. On, and so I, I didn't hear, I heard McCookie say, yeah. I didn't hear actually my name. I didn't realize that. So I apologize. Um, yeah. Um, so. You want to know what the question was again? Yeah. yeah if you can repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I gosh. no, no, not the whole question. Just a quick, just what was? Sorry, just what's a quick gist? I, I was listening. I got distracted when the quick, I the quick gist was: Do you think you've nailed your online offline life balance? Right. And See, I answered that by nodding my head no, and then nodding my head <laughs> onto the table. And if not, what do you think is something Guys, that is you're willing to in. try? This is like this is like nail your you know, theses to the wall time. What is something that you're going to do that's going to make a difference? Yeah. So I, I think, I think uh, online offline has been a big uh, struggle for me and I have a tendency to think that I can multitask Yeah, a lot better than I actually can. Uh, like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Um, uh, so I think that's one of my big struggles. Like I'll think that I can, you know, put on something in the background and still concentrate on what I'm doing, you know, work wise and not even just necessarily music, but even so far as like, well, I can put on like this YouTube video on the background and it won't distract me from being able to do my job. And it's just madness, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think for me, a big balance thing, there's a couple things. One of them is, uh, that I take my phone out of my pocket and actually set it off to the side when I'm at home. So I don't have it in my pocket. I have, by, I don't have uh, notifications and things like that kind of drawing me because if I do, I'll, I'll pull those out and I'll be pulled out of what's really important, which is my wife and family into things that are relatively trivial, uh, which is, uh, you know, things like Twitter and Facebook and and those sorts of notifications. Um, so, uh, that's one of the things that I've been trying to do is actually, uh, actually, you know, choose the people in front of me and the people around me over, the the digital calls and distractions that are very prevalent in our world. So, um, uh, and, and one of the first steps on that, like I said, is that getting the phone out of my pocket so that mm-hmm. it's just, I know where it is. I can find it if I need to do something, but I can just put it aside and, and let it be, you know, the little digital tether that it is, uh, but no longer attached to me. Mm-hmm. Tank. Um, I'd say for just online digital space, um, I'd say uh, good um, that there's pretty quickly I run out of things to do on the internet. I mean, I know there's a lot, but like I find myself, if I want to waste time, I just kind of look at the the first page of Google Chrome where it says my most visited websites and I'm like, nope, nothing to do on those. Um, and on my phone, like I have the browser turned off and only productive apps downloaded. So mm-hmm. just, um, so the phone's not, um, able to be really much of a distraction. Um, the area that, but yeah, the area that I would say I have the biggest struggle with in the past and have done something over the past year about, um, that I think has been really beneficial, um, is in entertainment, which online would be, you know, like watching Netflix or, um, playing video games, playing video game apps, uh, any of those things. Those are the things that would suck me in the most. Um, and just every once in a while, I've kind of alluded to like my feelings towards entertainment and thinking about what's the best relationship with entertainment. And, um, and one thing that I decided last Christmas was that, um, entertainment is best used to grow relationships, build, build relationships, doing them together with people, um, as opposed to just by myself. And so just stopped entertainment, um, unless it was with people. So like only watch TV if I'm watching it with my wife or only play games if I'm playing it with a friend. Um, and so since then I would say that, um, I have a lot more downtime, uh, occasionally like it's evening. I'm like, well, Michelle's not home. So I guess I'll just read more. Um, but that really has, uh, balanced out my, um, what I feel was my most unhealthy aspect of in relation to online, um, or even offline. So mm. I guess just That's interactions really cool. with technology in general. That's a great idea. I might yeah. even steal that or borrow that. I'll give it back. David, I gave it. Only one didn't work me. I gave it back later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, keep keep it and but keep, keep the credit where it's due. <laughs> David, you're already perfect in in this area. No online offline balance required. No, uh, no magical. <laughs> I'm still struggling to be honest with you with the categories. Um, oh no. I thought we cleared out the categories so that we could have this part of the conversation. Well, I thought they would, they would become clearer as you guys talked and they did, they did to some degree. Um, oh, good. Uh, John Syracuse, when he talks about uh, <coughs> raising kids, uh, he talks about the idea of screen time uh, and he talks mm-hmm. about how people will talk about like, Oh, how much screen time do you let your kids have? And his answer to that is basically, well, as much as they want, like how, how much yellow sock time do you give your kids? Like how much, how much of the time <laughs> are they allowed time. to, you know, walk around in yellow socks. And his, his point with that is like devices Until they screens get can be used for, uh, you, how many, but if you have more than one pair <clears throat> devices, <laughs> screens can be used for a lot of different things. And so like the idea of like me using my iPad to read scripture is mm. 
you know, even if it's technically happening online because I'm using this really cool app called Relight, like <laughs> that that's technically online time. Right. Would, would yeah, we but it's not online in the community <laughs> sense. But yes, I know what you mean. Technically it's screen time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and so I guess that's that's where I'm struggling to to draw the line because when I think about my online habits, most of them are healthy. I spend a lot of time learning or working on Relight or mm-hmm. interacting mm-hmm. with other Christians and talking about theology. Like that's the mm-hmm. majority of my online time. And I guess like there are things that I do to try to build those habits. Those those are habits that I've had to 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 work to achieve. Um Hmm. Is there, so do you see any distinction in the way that you interact or the way that you go about life when you're doing those things, which as you just mentioned, uh, good. I'm not just trying to like pin you to the wall no, here. I'm just, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to step into your world where you're saying the ca- category, categories aren't clear. And I'm trying to see if I can ha- maybe clarify them one level further. So when you, when you say you do some really good and healthy things like, um, working on relight and talking to other Christians online and talking about theology and deepening your understanding and those kinds of things. Um, would you say you see a difference between those things and, um, you know, relating to Sarah and going to Bible study or small group for church and going to church itself and going down to the coffee shop and talking to people at the coffee shop, you know, placing your order, not talking to random people. I was like, uh, not asking you to get completely out of what your house. What kind of a person are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just meet a friend at the coffee the shop. Who you've never comes met out before. as a monster. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a monster. No, but do you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's. <laughs> so we're talking about online, not just as in like, you know, are you connected to the internet? Yes or no, and then are you doing things that are good or bad? Yes or no. It's um, also uh, in terms of the actual the way that the relationships on online operate, there are some fundamental differences to the way you would react or you would act. For example, I would imagine towards someone that you see every week at church and go to church with, or are in a Bible study group with than someone that you talk to on the reform pub who you've never actually met in person. Yes. Um, and maybe this is where I can throw a curveball into the wrench, but the, uh, that's a mixed metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the thing for me is that hmm. I do not notice is when David talks, Joe opens his eyes. And when I talk, Joe closes his eyes. <laughs> I do. It's quite disconcerting. <laughs> it's because he knows me in person. Now don't take this the wrong way. You're just an online <laughs> person. Australian accent. He's like, oh, Australian You're- accent. So comforting. I could just sleep <laughs> to it. <laughs> Um, we should get some Craig ASMR saying things like wallaby. Wallaby. <laughs> wallaby. 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 Oh, that should just be our next episode. Um Platypus. Platypus. What? Platypus is an Australian animal. What are you talking about? Do they about? not exist elsewhere? No, they do not. I never it's a knew native this. Australian animal. Huh. Huh. But once Craig is right, David is to return. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, wow. I I do see a a difference between um the idea of relating to somebody online and the idea of re- relating to someone in person. Um, okay, and cool. I do see that there is a need in all humans for the the like relating to people human to human and i do that like you're mm-hmm. right i have small group mm-hmm. i have going to church there are friends that i get together with on a you know weekly ish yeah. basis like these are things i'm a person you know i'm i'm a person yeah. but <laughs> what i will say is that i never doubted it for a moment i really <laughs> struggle at in person interactions and there's an episode of the lightest form mm-hmm. of flogging where we talk a lot about why that is i will look that <laughs> up real quick because i don't really want to get into it here like two episodes ago, right? Something um, like that. Um, red, green, colorblind episode 57. Okay. Um, and so I guess I'll link to that in show notes, but basically I struggle to understand people's emotions. 
I, I struggle to understand people's emotional language when people are emoting to me that they are upset by something I said or that they are expecting something from me or what have you. I struggle to understand that. And and we've determined, my wife and I, that it may actually be a medical uh, thing like autism. Uh, we're not really sure, but so, I have struggled with this and tried to get better at it my entire life. And one of the things that I really like about the internet and why I'm really drawn to it and why I see it as a almost a primary means of social interaction is that on the internet, everybody has that disadvantage. Everybody has the disadvantage of not being able to tell what somebody else is feeling based only on the words that they've said. And then we all kind of acknowledge that. And it's the people, Mm -hmm. the worst internet citizens are the people who think they can read that. Um, yeah, but, but actually can't. And I tend to just avoid those people. Um, so for me, the internet is socially speaking, a tool that allows me to relate to people on a level that I otherwise simply could not, uh, without upsetting them mm-hmm. or hurting their feelings. Uh, I joke about it, but it's yep. probably the case that I would not have gotten married if I hadn't met my wife on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I guess that puts me as kind of this weird edge case, uh, where for me, part of the internet is where I do some of the, most deep interactions with people that I do uh, with the exception of my mm-hmm. wife. <clears throat> yeah. So I just, I guess I kind and of I'm see not- the internet as, as different because for me, it's a tool for accomplishing the same things that other people want to accomplish physically. And when I hear people talk about sure. how like, Oh, this keeps me from having physical interactions. I'm like, well, really like it's just, it's a tool that makes it possible for me to have friends. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And and you, I guess, would you say that maybe, can I ask another question? You, you can. Um, I'll ask another one cause that was technically one as well, but I, <laughs> would you say that it helps you, um, like, would you say that you're not using the internet to avoid offline interactions, but actually rather that you're using the internet to continue to build your skills in interpersonal interactions. And then that, that with the hope that that will actually help offline interactions, maybe, maybe. or at least to supplement the interactions that I have with people in person. Uh, so that like, if I have a friend at church and I communicate with that person online, like there is a sense in which they're going to get to know me better than if there's this barrier. Like a lot of people think of the internet as having this barrier where you can't, understand each other's emotions. So you have to talk around like mm-hmm. you have to on the internet, you have to say things like, Hey, that really upset me. But for yeah. me, because the physical interaction precludes that and nobody physically thinks, Oh, I should tell this person that I'm upset by what he said. He'll just know because mm-hmm. I'm emoting it. Uh, I find the internet to be actually a clearer place for that. Mm-hmm. And if someone came to you and said, David, I feel like I'm exactly the same as you and I'm in the same boat would like you wouldn't counsel them to um you know cut down the amount of friends that they have off offline or or stop going to you know social gatherings or anything like that and spend more time online you would say that both are important but you just happen to have found that the internet is for you a more easy place to to have those interactions that's not doesn't have the same stressors or um or isn't as intense and as draining and things like that as the offline world. But you're, you're still saying, it still sounds like you're saying you see importance in both yeah, absolutely. systems of interaction. Yeah. 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 But I, cool. I will say that most people, if they, if they saw how much I interact with people in person, they would think I might at least extroverts. If they saw it, they would, they would think that I might be unhealthy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I'm not, wanting to put anyone in a, in a position on this episode where they feel like they're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> the idea, so I don't want David to feel like he's been singled out as, um, cause I wouldn't even necessarily consider myself an extrovert. Um, and I don't, so I'm not trying to say David is doing the wrong thing. I think David just approaches it differently to how I do. Um, and I think he's got good reasons for that. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm interested to hear what other people think in episode discussion. It's been a kind of a meandering episode. Um, even though I tried to lay out a structure at the beginning, I think it was probably helpful that we threw out the structure. Um, <laughs> it maybe kept Joe a little bit more on his toes. Hang on. Is he asleep again now? Nope. He's awake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but if you've got any feedback on uh, either either the article or either of the articles, but in particular the um, the sort of uh, digital cultural liturg- liturg- uh, liturgy, digital cultural liturgy versus the analog truths, um, and also um, yeah, ways that you sort of 
seek to find balance between online and offline. Um, or if you maybe sort of more agree with David about the idea that for you online is um, is in some ways more be- beneficial for certain reasons. Um, be interesting to hear that. Uh, and yeah, have some further discussion on the Slack. Although what you should do ideally is talk about it in person with people. We Both. should do a conference. Both would be Definitely. good. But I'm going oh, to, yeah. oh, I need to, I need to, we should do it. We, sh- we should, I need to say something. I should uh, take up my own challenge, which is uh, I'm going to try and do similar to Joe. I already sort of put my phone down when I get home from work, but I'm going to try and I think set a time of 9.30. I usually go to bed like around 11. So I'm going to th- say 9.30 or 9 o'clock every night, put it onto airplane mode and not take it off again until the morning. And I'm going to try Tank's thing of sharing entertainment rather than individually consuming entertainment. Oh, that's a thing I do, by the way. I, that's something I think will actually be good for my Goodreads um, <laughs> account as well. <laughs> uh, like Tank said, more reading time. Because I'm going to use reading time if, if my wife's not home and we're not doing something together or something entertainment-wise. I'm going to... Tank said his reading went up. So I, I think that's a good system. Do programming tutorial videos count as uh, entertainment? Uh, if you the find person? them enjoyable <laughs> and you're not yeah just make sure you time. make sure you don't so enjoy it, it. You can do it all you want <laughs> okay <laughs> well I would say if you're enjoying it and you're not programming at the time then you're just watching it for the enjoyment factor then it's entertainment if you're watching it enjoying it and programming then mm. you're being productive hmm mm. alright I'm sorry I asked that yeah it depends on how you find it <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there like downtime you can set, Greg, or something with screen time? Screen so time. Instead yeah. of there like is, airplane mode, you just set downtime and Yeah, there it. is enough. I've got it set and I I um when it does come up and say ignore limit for today. So I'll try and do that less. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got it set to an hour of Facebook time um a day. Uh so it yeah, it doesn't come up every day, but now and then it will. Okay. So basically what you're saying is oh, you don't want to talk to me. So I'll try and what? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just putting your phone on airplane to airplane mode to avoid talking to your co-hosts. No, I'll to you guys. Hmm. That's why I'm here. And keeping Joe asleep. <laughs> Somebody wrap this up. I did. I did my bit. Someone else is searching <laughs> Twitter and we don't. Hey, if you want to check out our, uh, our website, you can go to www.techreformation.com and you can see a list of episodes and all of our contacts for the socials. And you should share <laughs> one of those episodes with somebody who would like it. Yeah. Thanks to Matthew Good Parker for the music. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew Parker. <laughs> for the music. I know we used to do it. <laughs> Speaking of Matthew Parker, there's the music. And this has been the Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening and we will see you again next week you should also listen to Kanye West's new album tell us what you think yeah yeah, yeah. let us yeah. know <laughs>